You're listening to City Beat, a partnership between Riverwest Radio and online daily UrbanMilwaukee.com. I'm your host, Jeremy Janine, president and co-founder of Urban Milwaukee, and this show is recorded live every th- Tuesday at 3.30, and with that, I don't get the chance to edit out my errors like I just had, but one thing I do get the chance to do is try and get guests in the studio last minute, and we are waiting on two more guests to join us from the Light the Hone initiative, and we'll talk to them in just a minute. But first, I want to start with the big news of Tuesday morning, and that is Miller Park is not going to be, well, Miller Park anymore. The baseball stadium that the Milwaukee Brewers play in opened in 2001 and is soon going to have a new name coming in 2021 when Madison-based American Family Insurance will rename the ballpark to a name to be named later, later, to borrow a reference from a baseball trade. The company announced this morning, actually the news broke first with Miller Coors sending out an announcement to his, its employees that the name was no longer going to be Miller Park, but the American Family actually had approached the Milwaukee Brewers late last year. The Brewers don't own the stadium, but effectively they control it. It is owned by a government authority created by the state as part of a sales tax funding agreement dating back from the 90s, and part of that sales tax funding agreement included a 20-year $40 million commitment from Miller, then Miller Brewing, now Miller Coors, to have the naming rights of the stadium. The loss of this uh, is obviously not a huge deal in terms of the physical changes to the ballpark. There's going to be new signage. There's going to be all kinds of new promotional material. I assume things like Badger Mutual Insurance runs are probably gone. But new things are coming, of course, with American Family. The company today in a press conference announced that their partnership goes beyond just simply putting their name on the building. That name, of course, is yet to be released, given that there's still two years before it happens. The big change there will come with American Family's presence, not only on the naming rights of the stadium, but with a partnership with the Brewers to fund different community initiatives. Buried in the press conference announcing the new naming rights partner for Milwaukee's Major League Baseball Stadium was the announcement that American Family is going to build a, and I quote, fairly large building down in the core of the city. The announcement of the new building explained why Mayor Tom Barrett was joining the press conference to announce the deal. Lots to be determined there yet. American Family CEO, Amfan Jack, as he's known, Jack Swellsdale, uh, announced that there was no site yet to be publicly released because they hadn't committed to um, assembling the entire site yet. It's, but they did say the deal's going to happen in two or three years. It's going to have approximately eight stories of space, uh, about 150,000 square feet of space. Things are moving forward there quickly, though. A number of sites the city could be pitching them include a lakefront parcel once targeted for Johnson Control's office tower, also a parking lot between North Val Phillips Avenue and North 5th Street along Wisconsin Avenue that has been targeted for a streetcar extension and a possible convention center exp- uh, expansion. Other potential sites include the former Parkies Freeway Corridor, the western half of which is now owned by the Milwaukee Bucks, and a series of parking lots owned by the Italian Community Center between the historic Third Ward neighborhood and the Henry Meyer Festival Grounds. So stay tuned to Urban Milwaukee. We'll have a lot more on that coming up in the coming weeks, and I'm sure in the years to come as that story uh, grows. And again, Miller Park, no longer Miller Park. It is going to be American Family Insurance something, ballpark, field, something or other, We will find out, but it's going to be some time. Now we'll get our guests set up, and then we'll talk about lighting up the home.
I'd now would like to welcome three guests to the show. Uh, way more than I expected to have, so I'm happy to see so many faces here to talk about lighting the own. Ian Abston is here, kind of one of the two heads of the initiative with Michael Hostad. Lori Richards from Miller Communications is here. And Greg Marshall from CI Design is here. Thank you, everyone, for joining City Beat. Thanks for having us, Jeremy. Been a long, yeah. long fan of your podcast for a total of six episodes now. Yeah, I think this is episode nine or ten, or that's something we'll figure out when we publish it. Uh, this will be coming out on Wednesday. Of course, we're talking on Tuesday. And as I remind you, we are on live radio right now. That's a warning for Ian. Everyone else, you're, you're good. Uh, but let's talk about Light the Hone. When you guys launched this initiative last year, and what did you expect to happen out of the gate? What were you hoping to happen? We started this initiative as a reverse of most major campaigns in Milwaukee. Most of the time, when you see a fundraising effort comes out, it goes uh, quietly and builds momentum behind the scenes in the major philanthropic worlds. And we did the complete opposite. We went out to the community first before speaking to any major potential funders. We did that first and foremost to make it more organic and authentic to what the community's wants and needs were. We were betting that the citizens and the community would like the Honebridge project not just to support it and share it on social media, but also to buy a bulb as well. So this campaign is really well suited for just your average Milwaukeean who loves the city, might not be able to buy a table at a gala, but just a $25 light bulb and have a major impact on the city. So this was really designed uh, for those people in mind. Well, let's, let's step back a minute. You said buy a bulb. What does that mean? What actually oh. is happening here? Great. So our goal is to light up the Hone Bridge. Don't think just a night light, your average light bulb, but completely futuristic technology where you can change the skyline on the Hone Bridge to reflect Brewer Games, Packer Games, Breast Cancer Awareness Week, um, all of these different events. We can actually sync it up to live music. So you can watch a band at Summerfest or listen to music on 88.9 and the bridge can dance in real time. That's what we're trying to create here. We're trying to completely transform Milwaukee's skyline and light it up. And if you go to major metros all across the world, this is a trend that's starting to happen. And we don't want to sit back and wait until this comes to us. We want to be one of the first in the Midwest to do this. So buying a light bulb means if you want to participate and you like this project, you can buy a $25 light bulb and dedicate it to someone or something that you love and you think is special. And you put that dedication online and it will live there forever. And how did you, I guess you mentioned it's happening in other cities. Are there cities that uh, in particular, you're looking at that are great examples. Are there cities that really inspired you? Are there cities that have done this poorly and you want to you know, avoid what's happened there? Uh, how, did, how did this all come to be? I would say a, a combination of those things. I know when I first got involved with the project, Ian and Michael talked a lot about and were in close contact with the folks in Edmonton who had done something very similar. But you can look across the country, really even globally, and see different examples. So you have one end of the spectrum in San Francisco, where the Bay Bridge was lit up really as a temporary art installation. So it was funded through, I believe, a foundation grant or a private fundraising effort. 
but it really is, it's an art installation. So they hired an artist to program the lights and it almost reflects the waves. It's almost hypnotic in a way. And then you have Edmonton where this was done really more as sort of a community grassroots initiative. So it wasn't a complete flyer. It was definitely informed by bridge efforts that are going on in other cities. But like all good projects, it has it has local roots. We really tried to customize it and, and take a look at what's resonating in Milwaukee, the best of what Milwaukee is, and make sure that the bridge project reflected that. So I think when you look at, as Ian suggested, the whole concept of bulb dedications, in many ways that idea came forward because we hear all the time, and and my role as a communicator here locally, and Greg's as well, we hear often from people that say, there's so many great efforts going on neighborhood by neighborhood. We just, we don't get coverage from the traditional media. Nobody knows about us. How do we tell our story? We heard that, and we thought that this idea of dedicating a bulb, creating a larger platform, now through lightthehome.com and our social media feeds, it really is not only a feeder to traditional media, but in a way, it's a larger platform. It's shining a light on some of those small, everyday efforts that really make our city great. And how much of the Hone Bridge are we talking about? I've had the fortune or misfortune to run over it a couple times in half marathons. and It's a long bridge. Are we talking about lighting up the whole thing? Or are we just doing a short segment? We're looking at the W, so the, the arch, what currently is yellow. Um, so it, it kind of shapes into a W. And there's also vertical lines and support beams that, that reach this. So if you're running over it, eh, it's about a 98-second run at your pace. Jeremy. I've seen you run. <laughs> they were far too kind. It yeah, is yeah, definitely yeah. a 10-minute run there. But that sounds like a pretty significant portion of the bridge. In both sides, <sighs> actually. Mm-hmm. Lake okay. side as well as city-facing side. So if I happen to have the good fortune to be out on a boat or I'm just somehow out on the breakwater, I'm at the art museum even maybe, I can look back at the bridge and see it. Correct. Or if I'm at the new Boone and Crockett or even maybe on much of the south side of the city, I'll be able to see the bridge. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really where the inspiration kind of struck for this. We were watching a Bucks game, and this was just when the NM Tower was being built, and they did a panoramic of the sky. And this was before Giannis is Giannis, and this was one of our first uh, ESPN showcase games, and that means Milwaukee is on showcase as well. They did a panoramic of the city. They went downtown. They were scrolling to the south, and suddenly they got to the Harbor District, and it was just this blank nothingness on our skyline. And that's when we had heard about this project before, but that was the moment where it said, we have to do this because this is our skyline, and this is what the world sees. And if we're looking at conventions... DNC 2020, Bucks Championships in 2020, we have to make sure our skyline gets uh, the look that we feel that we have as a city because people are watching. And, and this helps send a message to the rest of the world that Milwaukee is, is at that level. And I think you've convinced me now that it's, it's going to be attractive. It's going to show up on TV when Milwaukee's there. How much is it going to cost? The entire project is going to be between 4 and $5 million, and that is going to cover 10 years of maintenance and electricity uh, for the lights. And that is both sides together are going to cost $5 million bucks. We're talking $2.5 million each side approximately. Both sides, correct. And is there a vendor selected already, or are you going to bid this out? We've been working closely with Philips. Uh, they are the renowned uh, leader in this worldwide. They've done San Francisco, uh, New York, Sydney. Um, 
we were running into issues locally trying to convince people, hey, we're going to do this. And they said, who's your lighting provider? And when you say Philips, they said, oh, we'll work with those guys. They really know what they're doing. So they've been, uh, they've actually done a temporary light install for us on the bridge where we lit up a section of the home bridge. And what that allowed us to do was really test out the technology. And that technology is you can look at your iPhone, press a button, and the colors will change instantly. And that's what we were trying to test out and show our funders. And do you think that that worked when you were here? Did you get uh, additional support from that test installation? Yeah, well, it was on urban Milwaukee, so I don't know how much <laughs> bigger you can get. I mean, that was a success right there. Yeah, we had a lot of potential funders that were there, and a lot of questions were answered that night. And what, what were those questions? What are the questions you're getting? I have one in particular, but I want to hear what you think you're hearing from the community when you're going out and pitching this project. Yeah, so everybody's... It's you can't just paint a picture of this or point at other bridges. People actually have to see it to believe it. It's a what we're looking at is really a giant art installation, and we were able to put up a a portion of that installation to show size, scope. How bright is this going to be? Is it going to affect traffic? That's your you know boring everyday questions that you tend to not think about and overlook. All the way to can I see this from my house? How far does this reach? What does this really look like? And that's what we were able to prove to not only ourselves, but the funders and the DOT and the city and the state as well. Well, and I think it also provided a sense of how dynamic and real time the lights can really be. This isn't a static light show, right? This isn't one color, the lights stay on all the time, but literally changing in real time. As Ian suggested earlier, it can adapt to different events going on. I think the 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 feature that Greg helped put together from a creative standpoint talked about all the different festivals in Milwaukee, talked about the sports teams in Milwaukee, or something that can change again, literally in real time to reflect whatever moment of civic pride we want to be celebrating in Milwaukee. And Greg, I don't want to leave you sitting there as the third wheel. Talk to us a bit about what people can see on lightthehone.com, how it came together, what are the, how do the dedications work? Yeah, and on, uh, on the site, you'll see an emphasis of the, why the dedications are special. And it's really the reason I got inspired about it was the symbolic nature of it. I know I love, the down, I love downtown. I mean, I get more inspired by city skylines than I do by mountains, oddly enough. I just, I just love cities, and so the idea of making downtown that much more beautiful is cool to me. But what, what really inspired me was the, reality, the symbolic nature of um, the community coming together and, and telling literally thousands of stories of good things that are happening in Milwaukee, people who are doing amazing things, organizations who are doing amazing things, other organizations who are trying to raise money. We knew that this could be a platform to, prom to promote those things. And so um, that when you come to the website, you can read about some of that thinking of like, how, is, how can this thing shine a light on all these amazing things that are often unnoticed in the city? Um, and when you, when you come to the site, you can, you can click a button to see all those dedications. There's, there's over a thousand um, dedications on there right now, everything from somebody dedicating it to their father who passed away or their spouse or a nonprofit that they love, um, family member, friends, good neighbors, etc. There's just a ton, ton on there. So, and there's different levels you can, you can de donate and dedicate to uh, attach a picture to your dedication. Um, you can receive gifts for dedicating from 
um, T-shirts, stickers, things that just help you, you know, promote and just be celebrated for participating in it. And then the site just also at, just answers basic questions like you're asking right now about price and that kind of stuff. And the site URL is? Lightthehone.com. And when I'm, when I'm there now, I see kind of what you described it not actually being like, which is just essentially a bunch of bulbs like I would expect on the Riverside Theater Marquee. The video from the temporary installation, is that on the site? It is. There's a... There's a video, there's a couple videos on the site. One of them is from that the temporary installation. Um, a lot of the video itself covers just the event that was happening, and then near the end of the video, it shows what it looks like uh, when it was actually turned on. And is there a specific dedication you found that really moved you or if it was quite humorous or something? I Honestly, the, just the general feeling of them is is it's really enjoyable to read them because 100% of them are just sincere. People are wanting to sincerely say, this project is, is exciting to me, and I'm excited to connect my, my bulb or dedicate my bulb to this person that I really care about. And it's, it's pretty moving, actually. And, and sometimes it's as simple as a name that's put there, and you kind of wonder what's the story behind this name. And other times they tell a little bit of the story. But I've, I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed, um, I think the ones that have connected with me most are the ones that are dedicated to somebody who's passed away because they could, it feels like this person had a legacy and they would have loved to see this happen. And people just think of it as, yeah, this thing, I drive over it all the time or I see it all the time. And to see that lit up and for me as an individual to connect the lighting of this bridge to this person that I miss so much, it's like it's help, it helps people sort of grieve in a way. So I've, I've, really, I've really loved that. That was a surprising thing. I was actually envisioning more more nonprofits and organizations being thanked or recognized, but it's, and there's, there's definitely that, but um, I was surprised by just how it felt to see so many people dedicate to loved ones. Well, let, let's talk about, I guess, the financing package, because we've talked about there's a lot of these dedications. They're $25 a piece. I just did the math real quick. It's going to take us 200000 of those $25 a piece dedications to get to $5 million. And if I'm wrong, that's the danger of doing math on the radio. How does this financing work? Are you expecting it all to be crowdfunded? How, what percentage is going to come from that? Well, Jeremy, how many have you bought? I think I have one up there. All right. Well, there's Allison. There's your cat. Uh, there's a lot of cat dedications of cats, up there. You yeah. should get on board. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, that's a great question. Our goal is to raise approximately $1 million from the crowdfunding campaign. And they're in, in nominal chunks, um, yes, but the smallest is 25 uh, on the site, we take $50 donations, up to $500 donations, and then people contact us on the side if they want to do something larger or corporations who want to be recognized. And and that is the chunk where we're anticipating around 3.5. That's going to be philanthropies, large businesses, and there's also naming rights for the bridge. So I know you're, uh, and you're only on nine podcast episodes right now. Your far reach of urbanmilwaukee.com. There is one person out there today who wants to be, have the naming rights uh, after the bridge on them so they can actually own the lights and the brand behind them. Well, let's talk about what happened on social media then after you announced this campaign because you hit on philanthropy is going to be a key source of funding it. There was kind of a pushback of, well, Milwaukee doesn't need this. We have more pressing challenges. And I think we all can obviously agree that we can tackle more than one thing at a time in this city. But how do you respond to the fact that you're raising money to put lights on a bridge and someone else is raising money to put shoes on someone's feet? I think one of the initial responses that our group had to that was exactly to your point, Jeremy, that it's not a matter of 
either or, but a matter of and. And one of the things that we had talked about is a lot of the people, either if you're looking from an individual perspective or if you're looking from a corporate philanthropy perspective, most of the people that are dedicating a bulb or making a donation to lightthehone.com are also making a donation to other nonprofits, to schools, to children. So again, I, I think... I think you're not asking people to make a choice of a pair of shoes or a light bulb, but it's just another option. One of the things that we see happen often in Milwaukee is I think, and and we're starting to see that, and this effort is one of them, it's a reaction to people or, or other generations maybe dictating this is what you should do. This is what we've always done in Milwaukee. And one of the reasons why it was really kind of fun to launch this campaign backwards, if you will, and announce it publicly first and really do the public crowdsourcing part first is it just felt authentic to the people in the generation that were really the impetus behind Light the Home. So while it's um, non-traditional, it's been a really fun way to kind of crowdsource individual supporters first. And again, I think so many of those individual supporters not only are also supporting other causes in the city of Milwaukee, but they're also using this effort to, again, as we talked about, shine the light on nonprofits that they care about, efforts in the central city that are doing good and putting shoes on people's feet. So we see this as an and, not an or. And how do you connect? We The bridge is clearly over the lake. It's over the harbor. My wife, Ian, you hit on my wife, Allison, works from Milwaukee Public Schools. She's way out on the far northwest side. Many of her kids rarely, if ever, get to see the lake. How do you connect this big light spectacle to the rest of the city, to the rest of the region? I I live in Sherman Park, um, and I've had a studio here in River West. I, I've spent a lot of time on the north side of Milwaukee and a fair amount of time on the south side. I have a l- relationships all over the city. I'm involved with homeless youth and families. I'm involved with uh, facilities that work with people in homeless situations, coming out of prison, working with job training. Like I'm, I'm sort of all over the city in a lot of ways, and... Um, I actually love that question because it's the primary reason I got involved was it's not about who sees the bridge. It's about what this project can help other help people see in the city. So turn it the other way. And, and there's people who don't know about the stories that we're sharing online, organizations that are doing amazing stuff in the city. I think this bridge is an opportunity to shine a light on, on any and all neighborhoods. And that was a thing that we talked about right away was... How do we leverage the fact that we're going to be talking to a lot of people about the bridge? Can we turn that into like free promotion to these other things that are happening all over the city? And the more we celebrate these organizations that are serving kids in all corners and sides of the city, um, the more likely it is the more likely it is that maybe they would want to come see it. Um, we can turn more eyes towards these kids that are being overlooked often. And, and maybe start creating connections and relationships that make it more likely that they have a pathway to work in some of the businesses that are downtown. And we're, you know, it's just, I see it as one of many, many ingredients that make it more likely that we're more unified and we're seeing each other more, appreciating each other more. And, and that, that plays an important role in making it so that kids and families who are somewhat isolated and not connected to downtown, that they will find a place downtown and find a voice there. And that's something that I ache to see, is see kids have pathways into opportunities there. And I feel like this is just one of those ingredients that helps helps to make that happen. 
All right. Well, we have less than a minute left. If people want to learn more about the Light the Hone campaign, where can they go? Lightthehone.com. Lightthehone.com. And you asked Greg before his favorite dedication. We actually had someone take a photo of their new baby. What is that? A mammogram? Ultrasound. Ultrasound. <laughs> mammogram. Not even close. Uh, I have a puppy. No children. And that was their dedication. That's how they announced their pregnancy. So we are uh, really stretching the gamut on here. All right. Well, you can learn more about that and see all the dedications on lightthehone.com. They're also on a number of social media channels. I know I see a lot on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, thank you, everyone, to lis- for listening to City Beat. I'm Jeremy Janine with UrbanMilwaukee.com, and my guests have been Greg Marshall with CI Design, Lori Richards with Miller Communication, and Ian Abston. Thank you. Thanks, Light the Jeremy. Home.